Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. So we've been uh, starting a new series on how to hear from God. And um, I've been preaching on it for a few years now, and I, I went through some of my old notes yesterday. And it's really um, interesting to see how you have grown, and to see how um, the different focuses is even on the same topic at different times. And really, I think this series, for me, what, what, what God is continuously highlighting is the importance of hearing from God. Okay, so we're going to, like that was last week, is why do we need to hear from God? And I think if you've never heard from God, welcome. Um, I'm going to help you get there. And if you have, then you would maybe resonate with my message where it says, like, well, this changes you. This changes your life. It changes the course, the direction of your life. And uh, it changes how you do things. It changes the decisions that you make. It changes, um, really, the, the trajectory of your life. So, firstly, the importance of hearing from God for yourself. I just want to do a quick introduction. It is for you to hear from God. You need to hear from God. You need to hear the message of God. You need the Holy Spirit to kindle that message in your heart so that you can be saved. Amen? So that's, how, that's of eternal importance. It is critical that you hear from God and that you hear about God for salvation. And then it says, faith comes by hearing. Okay? So we looked at that last week, that hearing is a continuous tense. So it doesn't just mean that you got saved and now you stop hearing. You need to continuously hear. You need to be in, in relationship uh, with God as you move around. And then faith comes from that. So if you want to live an adventure, anyone here want to live an adventure? Amen? So you need to hear from God. Amen? There's no real adventure except hearing from God. Because when you hear from God, faith stirs in your heart and then you act. And then you see what faith brings. And faith brings miracles. Amen? Faith brings favor. Faith brings the supernatural. Faith brings the spiritual life. And the spiritual life is the greatest adventure that you'll ever have. Amen? So, we need to hear for ourselves, but then we also need to hear for others. And that's really the mature bringing the immature into maturity. So, prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is hearing from God for others. There's nothing more than that. It's not forecasting the future. That's future, but for vertelling. It's not the same thing. Amen? It's different spirits. <laughs> God can show you things to come, and He can show you things to come for others. But sometimes people... Um, tend to, to, to not hear from God, so God sends a prophetic voice or a prophetic word through someone else, and then we can hear from God audibly. Because God speaks often in a soft, still voice, in an internal voice. A word of knowledge, and last week we gave some examples of uh, a word of knowledge. Sometimes God will challenge you through an invitation. When my two friends invited me in 2008 to go to Zimbabwe with them, when everything was burning in Zimbabwe, when they heard from God to go on that mission, I didn't. They just invited me along. I made a deal with God and my dad didn't come through. <laughs> if you remember from last week, I thought my dad would never let me go. And he said, yes, you should go. And I was like, Dad, I didn't, uh, I didn't calculate that in when, um, when I made this deal with God. But thank you, now I'm going. Amen. I'm not going to break a deal I made with God. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> so, word of knowledge, prophecy. But then also hearing from God is ministry. And I'll, I'll, we'll speak on this sometime. But what is ministry? Ministry is not just me standing up front. Ministry is not just uh, traveling around. Ministry is not playing the guitar or singing a song or uh, doing the, um, the screen, which is amazing, which is like adds so much to the service. Ministry really is bringing God to people. 
Ministry is packaging. Ministry is serving. I mean, the word prime minister is the chief servant. Okay, now the world has turned that upside down a bit, but the idea has always been for leaders to be servants. Jesus was the greatest leader, yet he was the biggest servant. He said, I did not come to, to be served, but to serve. He didn't let them wash his shoes or his toes or his toe jam. But he got on his knees and he got the apron on and he washed the disciples' feet. Amen? That's servants. So ministry helps us. Why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus wash the disciples' feet? It's a good idea. It will make a good teaching in 2,000 years from now. No. Why did Jesus say? I only say what I hear my Father say. Think about that. So you want to live like Jesus. Are you only saying what the Father says? So are you listening? That's a good question. Then I only do what I see my Father do. And I was um, meditating on this in the week. We speak about how to hear from God, but often God speaks through pictures. So hearing from God is it's how to communicate with God, actually. Because sometimes He uses a word, sometimes He uses a picture. Um, Keith and I spoke this morning, and there's even science that says that you can hear light. Okay, so... We don't know exactly how it works yet. Um, we're going to study it out further, but there is this thing where there's a resonance. If you look and um, watch the, some of the Louis Giglio uh, DVDs, uh, those were the days when we still had DVDs, uh, the Louis Giglio DVDs where you have the universe making sound. Now you also have different things that make visible. So we need to, last week when I um, stepped out in faith and I called out Hendriku, and I said, I'm going to hear from God for Hendriku, God showed me a picture. I don't know if you picked it up, but he didn't give me a word. So listening is hearing, but it's also it's seeing, it's receiving, it's downloading from heaven. Now, why is that so important? Well, first of all, it's for ourselves, but now it needs to overflow for others. So Psalm 29 and verse 4 says, The voice of the Lord is powerful. Okay. Now, that doesn't just mean it's this thundering voice. It is powerful in a sense that it brings a force or a capacity to produce. That's the Hebrew if you unpack it. So the voice of God is basically pregnant. The voice of God has the capacity to bring fruit, to produce, to bring a force, if you will, or capacity to produce. It's the same word there that, um, what's it, Deuteronomy 18, that we like to quote, um, is given me power to get wealth. It's the same Greek word, by the way. It's the same power. It's not dunamis. It's the power to generate, the power to create. Why? When God said, let there be light, what happened? Light happened. So if we have that same God speaking with that same voice into our hearts, it's going to stir faith. And now we're going to take hands with God, we're going to partner with God, and we're going to bring forth what God has said. There's one of the verses in the Bible that really hit me. It says, when, um, I think it's one of the prophets, let's say it was Isaiah, don't quote me on it. But it says that God moved so that the words that were spoken by Isaiah the prophet would come to pass. Now, God says you have authority. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So now what happened there is the prophet spoke and God moved. So we better know that we speak on behalf of God. <laughs> because what we speak, we can even activate God to move on our behalf. Now, it has that, that, that voice of the Lord is full of majesty. It's full of glory, if, if you will, that word there. But it also has that capacity to produce. And how? Through faith. 
So this is actually turning into a series on faith, if you've realized, because if we hear from God, faith comes by hearing, and now we have the ability to produce and to move and to act on that. And if you remember last week, we prayed for a little baby girl uh, called Amelie, um, who, who drowned. I mean, there's no way to put it other. And, um, and, 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 and she was revived. And we said as a church and in the pre-service meeting and in the service, Marilisa and I, we prayed for it together and you joined in. And we said we don't want any lasting damage. Any of you remember? I think she was still in a coma on, on, on Sunday. But Ruan, you can come up and just give us the update. Um, because I want you to, to get feedback on your prayers. Amen? Hello. Just uh, to give a background to see a few of your faces, um, this was Saturday morning last weekend. Um, I was watching rugby and I was called frantically by our ex neighbours. So I just jumped on my bike and I rode to the house and um, I, I, I didn't expect what I, what I found there. But um, so the baby was basically next to the swimming pool, blue and cold, no signs of life, and the mum and dad was just crying and shouting. And, and I was just, I, I went down and I kneeled next to the baby and um, I started just doing chest compressions and, and I said in my heart, God, this is life and death. I, 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 what shall I pray? Um, and I clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, just speak life into a body in the name of Jesus. And that's what I did. So basically, um, you know, it's easy to you know, try and hear from God for what else shall I buy and those things, but when it comes to life and death, sure. we want to make sure that we hear from God. Mm. So we did that, and about five to ten minutes she started reacting, and then ambulance came and took her to a Red Cross and to the ICU, and she was ventilated. The next day she came off of the ventilator, the next day off of oxygen, and three days after that she was on her little cycle you know, playing around and Friday they came to us and said thank you and she was 100% perfect. So. so we're gonna we're gonna play you a, a video just of the the progress of this little girl and we we have a permission from the parents to do so but when I was preparing the message for this week and I remember Ruan sharing it what came to mind, what the Holy Spirit highlighted is, Ruan heard from God. What should I pray? What should I say? And that actually gave him the faith to speak life and then obviously do the natural. Now some people will explain it away and say, well, um, he's a doctor. We discussed it in the week and it was actually more difficult when you're a doctor because you know the hopelessness of the situation. Where I would show up and naively go into what I would think was faith, because I just have no other way. Where he knew this is a hopeless case, he heard a word from God and he acted. So faith without corresponding action is dead, but because there was a hearing, there was corresponding action, now there's a child who's alive. I mean, it's really the power of God that, that, that did this. Um, so if you're ready, Teresa, you can play that video for us, please.
<laughs> we'll continue the video now, but I think what I really want all of us to do this morning is to hear from God. And that's really what, uh, what we want to get out of the service. And um, whatever way we're going to do to facilitate that, we're going to obviously allow the Holy Spirit. But I mean, what stirs faith and hope is that we can trust God over time. You can see the progression of this child getting healing and healthy because people kept on praying. But there was a voice, there was a word from God that created this, or that, that ignited something. The voice of God is powerful. The voice of God is... Uh, now this thing doesn't know if it's cooling or heating. The voice of God really has the opportunity and the capacity to produce... And, um, and that's so important for all of us to, to hear that voice and to hear it clearly. And as you watch this video, watch it with that expectation. Watch it for if God can do it for someone, God can do it for me. Okay? And this is not celebrating anyone, but celebrating Jesus. Celebrating the, the power, the dunamis. The one who speaks to us, the one who empowers us, the one that is the spirit that gives life. Amen? So... I think we can continue.
How great is our God. Amen. I'm in emotional tears. I was like, where's the tissues? How great is our God. Amen. God is not a respecter of persons or people. But that girl was dead. And last week we prayed that she would not only be restored, that there would be fruit from her life. There was a a, a clip there of where their church prayed for her like we did on Sunday. And we can all take hands together and, and, and we can all see the goodness of God. Amen. And even though we go, she literally went through the, the valley of the shadow of death, that verse there. But um, because we're equipping believers, because God is powerful, because faith comes by hearing His word, um, she's through that valley. She's not in that valley. Amen? And uh, as a church, that's really what we also want to do, is we want to equip you. So I don't want to just teach a message, give you a goosebump and send you home. I want to equip you so that, um, so that we can raise the dead. So that we can share the gospel, so that we can move in power and love, amen? So that we can worship God in spirit and truth. And this morning in pre-service, I was so, so um, touched because there was multiple testimonies and none of them happened at any Grace Life event. Not life group, not Bible study, not Sunday service, not even ministry school. It was, I shared this on campus, I shared this at work, someone came over and we had this opportunity. Um, someone poured the... Uh, Petrol in my diesel car. And this is how I handled it. Amen. <laughs> These are the testimonies that come out. And then we share the gospel in that sense. Um, one of the words that, that, that someone shared this morning is they were sharing the gospel. And someone said, I've never... So he heard like, basically light speak. And it was just the words of God uh, coming from this person. And that's really... If my, my heart as your pastor is to equip you to hear God for you. Amen. So that then you can work and mature so that you can hear God for others. And that's so important. So one thing I want to share with you is then is what does the voice of God sound like? What does it sound like? Because when do you know? Samuel heard the voice of God, but he didn't know it was the voice of God. So we need to learn our voice, uh, the voice of our Father. And, and to know His voice, you need to know His nature. Amen? So God's not going to like... Uh, the, what is, is it the, the, the sons of thunder, James and John, said to Jesus, let us call fire down from heaven. And Jesus said, well, you don't know what spirit you're of. <laughs> that's not me. That's not my nature. But we see it in the Old Testament. Okay, we need to work on that because uh, then it wasn't God's nature in the Old because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's a whole teaching around that. But First Kings 19 verse 9 says, And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What do you do here, Elijah? You see, the word of God came to him. But he was in a cave, so I believe he was still. He wasn't watching Netflix. Amen? He was was in a receiving state. He was in a cave. He wasn't distracted. Verse 11 then says, He said, Go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains. So if he had never heard the invitation in verse 9... He would not have gone to the mountain. So he went to the mountain, and now God is going to teach him what his voice sounds like. So there comes a great earth, or, or what's that? The wind. A wind so strong that it breaks the mountains. Amen? I know we've got some winds like that here in uh, Gordon's Bay. Amen? And break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Why? That's destructive. God is not into destructive things. Amen? And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
Let that challenge your New Testament thinking a little bit, but let's move on. And after the fire, a still small voice. I'm sure when Ruan was kneeling, no one else heard what you heard. Because it was a still small voice. The Old Testament says you'll hear a voice behind you saying this is the way, walk in it. But in the New Testament, we hear the voice inside us. Because we, as spirit beings, are now one with His Spirit. So we need to move with that knowing, with that um, delicate whisper, is what the word still there is. It's a delicate whisper. And like I said last week, it's often so, uh, it sounds so much like yourself, that you're not so sure that it was God. But when you, one way to know that it's God is if you know that you'd never come up with that. I can use some examples, but um, like if, if you think I'm going to do A or B, and you're praying about A or B, and then God gives you C. You're like, oh, I never thought of that. And you're like, okay, that maybe it's God, because that's wisdom. That's a good idea, but it's not my idea. <laughs> that's how we hear from God. Now, why is it important? John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits you nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Okay, so it's the, the flesh profits you nothing. These ears help you when you hear, but you need to hear on the inside. You need to hear in the spirit. You need to hear in the heart. You need to hear where the spirit speaks. You need to hear where it gives life. So the words that Jesus speaks are then spiritual. And the spirit gives life. If we just reverse engineer the verse there a bit. It is the spirit who gives life. Therefore the words I speak are spiritual. So if the words I speak are spiritual, then these words are going to give life. And that's what we give. We give life. We help people get translated from darkness to life. That um, verse I read from Acts, to bring them from, from dead to alive, from darkness to sight. Amen? So, where is the Spirit speaking to you? Now, Ephesians 6 and verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So one way that, the word, that, that God speaks to us is through His Word. Amen? Now, I jokingly say, God doesn't need to speak to you anything until you've done everything He said in here. Now, that's, for some people, boring Christianity. And praise God, He doesn't wait until we've done everything in the Word. But we need to rightly divide the Word then. Like uh, James and John, who incorrectly thought God is into calling flames down from heaven. So they didn't know His true nature. Remember, Jesus said, I only say what I hear my Father say. And the Word is... God is the Spirit. So He spoke Spirit things. Amen? Now, we go on and it says in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is living and powerful. It's living and powerful. So it's not bringing death. The Spirit brings life. So there's one way. If anything that you think is the voice of God and it, it leads to death or it causes death or it speaks about death or it highlights death or it glorifies death, it's not God. Amen? Some other Spirit. It says, and it is sharper than a two-edged sword. So we have it in Ephesians 6 that the Spirit, the Word is the Spirit. But then in Hebrews 4 it says it's sharper than. So if you have a, a sword and it's sharp, it's two-edged, the Word of God is even sharper than that. So it's not only a sword. That's what I want to say. It's more than that. And it is sharper than that two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. So what, again, is it that the, the, the two-edged sword will work pierce. The flesh. It will cut the flesh. You can cut off an arm, cut off a head. But now the Spirit is, is, the Word of God is more powerful than that. Now it says to us here, it pierces to the division of soul and spirit. 
So the Word of God helps us to distill what is my thoughts versus what is God's ideas. What is my plans, good plans there may be, but what is God's plans? And often you have a good plan, you get a scripture, you're like, "Mm mm-hmm. What it reveals the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. What is my motivation? So you might be doing a very good thing, but if it's for the wrong reason, the wrong motivation, it's not from God. It's not the right motivation. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, the word says, the heart is the seed pill above all things. So we cannot just listen to our hearts. I think I shared last week from Colossians 3.15 that it's the peace of God that rules on our hearts, not the peace of our hearts. Is God at peace? with this decision. When Jesus went to the cross, he wasn't at peace. In fact, he was sweating blood. But he knew God was at peace with the plan that he had for him. So even though he was sweating blood, he let the peace of God rule in his heart, and therefore he went through, looking unto the joy that was set before him, despising the shame, and, uh, and, and all of that. So we can't just think, okay, I'm at peace with it, now I'm going to do it. I'll be very much at peace to going to Mauritius. If anyone wants to send me. (laughs) But what if God says that plane is going to fall on the way there? Then your flesh is going to be in turmoil. Because you want to go lie on a beach and sip uh, pina coladas. But your spirit says you're going to die going there. Now you need to discern. What is God? What is the flesh? And which one am I going to follow? Amen? The word helps us. So we have a, a very, very powerful weapon in the word of God. So now... If you, if you think about, a, say, a, a Japanese samurai, what makes them so good? It's a combination. It's the sword they have. If you into the science of swords, they, I mean, it takes multiple years to create that sword that sort of never breaks. But that's only one part of it. A big part is their ability to handle that weapon. And we have the Word of God... And it's not going to become more powerful. It's as powerful as as it will ever be. But how you handle it will have a big impact on the effect that God's Word has on the earth. So are we equipped to hear from God? And secondly, are we equipped to rightly handle this Word? So 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman. A Christian there, Mr. Grace Man, Paul, wrote to you saying, Be a workman. Okay, there's good works. Yes, we labor to enter into rest. And that speaks about our rest and salvation. But now that we are saved and now we grow mature, there's some work. I mean, Natasha and I and my wife, we were so tired yesterday because there was a lot of work. And what was the work? The work was getting two very immature babies, two years and nine months old. And it's a long process to mature them. Amen? And it's hard work. So if we ministers... And we want to be mature, and we want to bring the immature into maturity, there's going to be some work. Amen? If you were here early this morning, there was some work. Like Paul said, it doesn't just disappear, um, or appear like this. But now we need to work at the Word. We need to study the Word. We need to not be ashamed to rightly divide the Word. So if you can rightly divide the Word, you can incorrectly divide the Word. Like, you need to read the Bible like that. So this needs to be some, um, a wake-up call for someone. So the Amplified Classic at the end there says, Correctly analyzing, accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. For me, this comes to, like, not just picking up the samurai sword, but becoming the samurai. 
We need to be disciples then handling the word, skillfully analyzing, rightfully teaching, and correctly handling. Now, I'm going to just give you two, two or three examples to just show you through an example. Remember, I'm here to equip you. So I want to use an example, and then we're going to end off with the practical. Okay? That's how they taught me at university. They give you the theory, then they do an experiment, and now you're going to do a tat or a practical. And remember, if you don't keep up with the practicals, then you fall behind. You can ask all the students. So, I cannot just play Bible roulette. That's what I want to say this morning. Open the word, oh, God said. And there I open where? At Job. Okay. So, that is by chance, because the very next verse that um, Teresa's got open there is Job 34. <laughs> Praise the Holy Spirit there. Thank you for aiding me. And there isn't even a bookmark. And I don't go there often, but we're going to preach from Job this morning. Anyone excited yet? <laughs> so how we can use the word incorrectly, that's what we're trying to say. So, for he said, it profits a man nothing that he should delight in God. That's a verse in the Bible. Okay, so if you're going to play Russian roulette, God, give me a verse, you open the word. Okay, I'm not going to delight myself in God. It's a verse in the Bible, but is it the truth? You see why you need to rightly divide, skillfully handle the word. You can't just take a verse and say, this quote a verse and tattoo it and then you go. Amen? Is that true? Is that in the Bible? That's what we call what, the dichotomy. <laughs> it's true, it's untrue, but it's in the, the book of truth. You see the word is, in, in, in Job for one, it's really just, it's, 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 it's a whole progression or thought and dialogue and debate. So you cannot just take some verses and say this is what God said. Because everything in, 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 in this Bible is not what God said. The word says everything is inspired. But, I mean, what Saul did was not inspired by God. But it was written down so that we can learn from his mistakes. And that's the same what we need to do with the book of Job. Now... I had to give you one like everyone can agree with me. Anyone who disagrees, you won't put up your hand obviously, you'll tell me later, or you'll tell someone else, the next one is a bit more sensitive, so just hold on to your horses. And it is, on just the next page, where the Holy Spirit had me open the Bible, Job 1 verse 20. Job 1 and verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle or his robe, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshipped. Okay, well done, Job. You righteous man you are. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There's a very famous song, where someone took the Bible, opened it in Job 1, and wrote the song. This is from the Word of God. Okay, now how do we, where do we go from here? How do we deal with this? Because my understanding of God's nature does not align with that verse in the Bible. Because Jesus said He's the express image of the Father, and I need, never ever see Jesus take away. I always see Him give and give and give and give more abundantly until 12 baskets full left over. Now, whose words are those? It's Job's words, okay? So now we need to test 
did what Job say is that what God wanted him to say? Anyone still with me? I said this is the sensitive one, so. Now we have to page, page, page to Job 34. So, I mean, Job is just a continuous reading of people who's very democrat, actually. I've, I, I, I was looking for this verse and I read, and it was just chapter upon chapter upon chapter. And then you get to the good stuff. Okay? So, Job 34. So, in Job 1, Job makes a statement. And he does it in a whole theatrical way by cutting his hair and falling into ashes and looking very holy. Now, in Job 34, I want to show you from verse 35 there that Job had spoken without knowledge and its words were without wisdom. Just uh, the next chapter, Job 35, 16. Therefore, does Job open his mouth in vain and multiplies words without knowledge? Now, verse uh, Job 36, verse 2. Suffer me a little, and I will show you that I have yet to speak on God's behalf. So before you judge Job, you can't use those verses to judge Job. To test whether he said was true. Because the verses that we just read in Job 34 and Job 35, his friend here who is speaking, I think it's Elihu, he says this, I haven't yet spoken on God's behalf. That was my opinion. So Job has these three friends, and they all say a lot of things, and then Job justifies himself. Job says, yes, but I was holy. Yes, I was righteous. Yes, I did this for God. And then they said, no, there has to be sin in your life. And then there isn't. And then the other one, and then this young guy stands up and he says, hey man, you guys are supposed to be wise, but you are stupid. So let me speak. And then he rants from Job 34, Job 35. And now we need to read on, because in Job 36, he makes a very interesting statement. He says, I haven't yet spoken on God's behalf. So what we've read now is four opinions, five opinions if you add Job's. So how do we know what the truth is? What is God trying to say to us? So luckily, God speaks in the book of Job. Amen? So we know when God is quoted there, then I mean we have a chance. So remember what he said, that the Lord gave, the Lord takes away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Whose words are those? Job. Now, God speaks, and we're not going to for time's sake go there in Job 30, I think Job 40, 41 is the words of God. He says, where do you store snow? Where do you make the rain? Where do you send the harvest? And he just asks, it basically humbles him. <laughs> if you're not humbling yourself, there's humility or humiliation. We all need to get to humility, so it's either humbleness or humiliation. But now listen to Job 42. So we page on. And now Job is speaking again. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything. Okay, finally the man is making sense. And that no thought can be withholden from thee. Woe is he that hideth counsel without knowledge. Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. He says, therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. So Job disqualifies his own words, if you read the full book. 
What is he referring to? He's referring to his words. Now, there's a lot of them in the book of Job, but it has to go back all the way because he's not excluding any. So when Job 1 says God gives and God takes away, Job says, hey, <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about. So how do you rightly divide the word of truth? 42 chapters later, you get the answer. So the, the danger of playing Bible roulette is what I want to highlight to you this morning. But the importance of hearing from God and hearing through His Word is what stirs faith and sees miracles. So we need to not just say, ah, I'm so scared I'm going to do it wrong. No, we need to rightly divide the Word. We need to be skillfully analyzing it. We need to be students and we need to work at this so that we can become like the samurai and we become skillful with the Word of God and we bring change. Amen? We bring life. So, I mean, that's two examples from the book of Job, and I don't know if you ever have uh, thought that we'll preach on Job, but, um, but there's good things in Job if you rightly handle the Word, if you skillfully teach it, if you correctly analyze it, if you measure it against the nature of God, if you look for the spiritual truths and what did God say, what did other people say. When Peter says, I will never forsake you, Jesus, that's a verse in the Bible, isn't it? Did he hold up to that? No. So there's a more simple example, but we need to use the same thought. What is God? What is prophecy? What is, what is foreshadowing? What is to come? And how is that then uh, reflected? So very quickly, just to help you, how is the Bible divided, if you want to rightly divide the word of truth? So we have the writings of Moses. The writings of Moses speaks to us so clearly about the things of Jesus. And if you're in Bible school, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But now the words of Moses is stories. He's telling the history of Israel. He's telling it from Genesis, the Garden of Eden. And he's telling it through Abraham, Joseph, um, Isaac, Jacob, all of that into Egypt. And then the stories of the kings. Now we have the Psalms. We have the prophets. We have the books of wisdom. All of that is what we read as Scripture. When the New Testament speaks of Scripture, the New Testament is not yet written. So Scripture then has to refer to Genesis to Malachi. Okay? Now if we have Genesis to Malachi and then Jesus says nothing new under the sun, then Jesus didn't come to bring anything new, did He? He said, I did not come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So Jesus doesn't come to do anything new, He comes to fulfill the law and the prophets, what Moses and the prophets wrote about. Now, Paul then is Mr. Preacher of the Gospel after we have four books that explains to us what Jesus did. Actually five, because you need to include Acts in the eyewitness account of the death, burial, resurrection, and birth of the church. Okay? John is a little different than the other three Gospels because John speaks to us in Revelation. He tells the story, but he, gets, he adds the unity, the, what Glenn referred to as being one with Christ in there, having the Spirit. And then we have the epistles, the letters, that now explains to us the mystery which has been revealed in Genesis to Malachi. And then Revelation is a little bit by itself, but we can't move it too far away, because it needs to align with God's heart, God's nature, God's message. So that's how you rightly divide the word of truth. It's one message, there's different ways that you look at it. And if you have a good Bible translation, it will show you in the epistles all the quotations of the Old Testament verses. The Amplified does a good job, but not everything, but at least at quoting the Old Testament where it tabs it in and it, I think it puts it in capitals. And it gives you a reference. This was written in Deuteronomy. This was written in the Psalms. This was written there. So that you know now they're actually explaining what was already 
said. They're uncovering, they're unfolding this mystery. Now, if we don't know that, then chances are we're going to hear wrong. Amen? We're going to incorrectly divide, and we're going to get a message which we think is from God, which is from the Bible, but it's not from God. Like we just saw the examples from Job. Does that help anyone? So, unfortunately, you have a responsibility. Amen? If you want to operate a big tank, you need a license. Amen? You have some powerful weaponry here, the Word of God. But you need to know how to rightly divide it, skillfully handle it, teach it, so that we can see life's change. Amen? So Acts uh, the 26. I'm looking for a verse here quickly. Acts 26. We read verse 18 just after worship, and it says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that you may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's the words of Jesus. That, that sounds like new covenant, doesn't it? It sounds like grace. It sounds like the message that we believe. That's the gospel, isn't it? Then he says, Wherefore I, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other. This is interesting. Saying none other, nux anus, than those which the prophets and Moses did say would come. How do you rightly divide the word of truth? You do it like Paul did it. Amen? You do it like Jesus did it in Luke 24, after he was resurrected. On the road to Emmaus, he explained to them in the scriptures and the prophets the things concerning himself. Okay, so if you want to get a promise from the Bible, it's not really the, the function and the purpose of the Bible. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying be careful. Because if you're poor and you're looking for money, the verses about money is going to jump out at you. And you might interpret them wrong. Because are you letting the Word be the discerner and the divider of the thoughts, the intentions of your heart? Are you allowing the Word to have an eternal impact by that you know the message really is about Jesus? And that they were poor Christians who gave. So the word doesn't necessarily promise that everyone's going to be rich. Now we're preaching some, some popular things, aren't we? We all be rich. Rich in the Spirit, rich in Christ, rich into eternity, rich with eternal life. Because if we're telling people they're going to be rich in this earth, then we're contradicting the words of Jesus. We said, in this world you will have tribulation. So we need to bring the Bible, and I don't like the word balance, but we need to test it. We need to weigh it. We need to discern. What is, we, we can't take one verse. We need to take all of it. If you want to understand Job, you need to read all 42 chapters. It's going to take some work, but it's worth it. Because once you see the nature of God, once you hear from God, now there's miracle mag magic happening on the inside. It's not magic, it's faith. It's on the inside. So... One thing I want to quote from Job still is Job 33.14 that says, For God speaks once, yet twice, yet man perceives it not. That makes sense. And that's not a blanket statement. It just means we need to, need, we need to hear from God. And it's a, I can back that up from Samuel. So now I've got two encounters in the mouth of two or three witnesses. When Samuel heard the voice of God, he didn't know it was the voice of God. And then God spoke again the second time. 
And he still didn't know. And then Eli woke up finally, eventually, and he said, listen, I think this is God. So what is it? We have people ahead of us, more mature than us, that help us to hear from God. And just think if Samuel never learned how to hear from God, where would Israel be? Where would the kings be? Where would David be? Because David was on, um, Samuel was on the way to anoint David's brother. And God said, no, 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 no. You look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. The one who is to be anointed is not here. You see, so that's a word from God. God is, what's it, ten brothers. Which one? I think it's that one, God. I think it's Hermann. He's, he looks like the part. I mean, he's got the, he's got the, the whole kingship thing going. No, it's not him. Okay, is it him? No, no. Listen, he's not here. So we pray, which of the ten? God says, none. You know that's God. Amen? Or chances are good that it's God. And then he says, oh, do you have another son? Word of knowledge. So now there's faith. And now he anoints David in faith. And David then is the shepherd king who we know is off of the heart of God. Amen? Now, we're going to go into some practical as we end the service. So Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. In the cave, in your private room, in the car, where you are, give God some time. Be still, because the voice is still. Be listening, be hearing, because God is speaking. Wait means waiting in faith, expecting, looking together, looking in hope, having an expectation, eagerness. And it means I'm going to wait until He speaks. I'm not going to wait for five minutes. I'm going to take as long as it needs to hear from God. Because those who seek for God with all their heart, they are the ones who find. Amen? So are we, are we earnest about hearing from God? And we want to practice this just by um, giving you a time to just hear from God. And um, Jane, who's in our worship team, uh, she's released her second song, which is called New Life. And you can find it on all the music platforms. And um, we wanted to just play that song because it's full of truth. Amen? And I wanted to just create an atmosphere of expectancy where we want to hear from God. I mean, so that's the, the, really the reason that we're creating another five minutes before we dismiss you. And if you want to stay longer because you haven't heard yet, then you're welcome to stay longer. Um, we'll just give you the key and you can lock up for us. And uh, we'll get it from you in the week. But um, are you really earnest about hearing from God? Now, sometimes God will give me what I think is a picture of a verse. And I go there and I'm like, oh, this doesn't look like love. This doesn't look like God. So God, did I hear wrong? Or is there something that you want to say through this? Because it's not just playing Bible roulette. Sometimes God speaks through the Word. Sometimes it's a still small voice. Often it's through other people, other believers, words of knowledge, prophecy. It's discipleship. It's moving together. But as we get equipped to hear from God, we're going to see more power and more operation. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, and if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, 
find family and experience love. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca.